Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group, and I'm here with cybersecurity attorney and CISO for ViewPost, Chris Pearson. We've been talking about the Apple versus FBI privacy issue, and it's an interesting issue, isn't it, Chris? Because we have more than one thing going on here at a time. We have a question over encryption and opening up a back door, but there's also the question about whether or not the government has the right to ask a company to allow it to circumvent certain security measures that it's put in place. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thanks, Tracy, and greetings to everyone here at the RSA conference. This is one of those uh, items that is definitely top of mind for all security and privacy uh, professionals and the lawyers out there as well. Really, as you take a look at this uh, space over the past year, there's really been kind of two issues, as you mentioned. One, the encryption issue in terms of should there be backdoors that are allowed in encryption? Should there be some type of private key? And that's an issue that comes up from time to time. It seems like every five to eight years this issue emerges and we discuss it and then it's rapidly dismissed through the security community and others throughout the world. Encryption just serves as the backbone, the underpinning of everything that we've done transactionally, uh, banking-wise, financially, healthcare-wise, and is something that uh, obviously if there is a backdoor, it will be discovered, it will be found by our intelligence agencies, others, as well as cybercrime folks throughout the world. So so that one is a, a separate issue, which we'll still continue to evolve and we'll talk about. The more important issue, and the one that really is in the heart of the news now, and, and by now I mean within the months of January to March timeframe, uh, which is, can the government compel a private entity to go ahead and circumvent security features that it's baked into products or services that it sells and offers to others. Uh, Can the government go ahead and do this and get a third party involved to be able to reach the underlying uh, data that may be resident on said device or to be able to have the chance and opportunity, which is what the FBI is very, very narrowly tailored in this case, to be able to remove the 10 times, uh, 10 strikes that you're out password on the uh, iPhone so they can try as many times as possible to brute force the, uh, the passcode and get into the device. And, and it's one that, that it hasn't been tested in any recent time. If you look at the All Risk Act, you're talking over 200-year-old uh, law that they're depending upon as some of the underpinnings for the case. It's, uh, we're definitely coming upon this time, Tracy, uh, and we've spoken about this a few times in terms of the Electronic Communications Privacy Act from 1986, in terms of uh, CIFA, the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, even in terms of some of the un- underlying security laws, GLBA and HIPAA, how they are 20 and 30 and 40 mm-hmm. years old, and of course, all Ritz Act 200 years old. We have not kept up with times in terms of technology. Uh, we will never, technology just moves so fast uh, and far ahead. Uh, we will never always be right there, but we're really relying upon older laws to fill in the gaps uh, for uh, a bigger and broader issue. You know, I think it's interesting, Chris, because on the surface, I think the answers to these questions seem very simple, but you raised some good points. So opening up the back door, I think that any security professional that you you talk to says absolutely not, that if you open the door for one, you end up opening the door for all, and you basically negate encryption altogether. I mean, if you open up a door to to let people in, then you might as well not encrypt the data at all. So I think that's an easy one to answer. Um, The the other question about whether or not you should allow the government, under certain circumstances, to have the ability to circumvent security controls, on the surface sounds like an easy one to answer as well. We could just say no. That should never be allowed. However, there could be some mitigating circumstances that might necessitate the need for the government to step in. Yeah, I mean, you know, the argument definitely gets more complicated as you throw different scenarios at it. For example, and and it's always uh, listed in a number of different laws, USA Patriot Act and some other law enforcement laws there in terms of cooperation with law enforcement, exigent circumstances. If it's in association with terrorist events uh, to prevent terrorism and ongoing uh, efforts there on the war on terrorism. Uh, So 
baked within our laws are uh, the provisions that allow for the government to act in those cases, but we've seen those abused and or not full transparency on things like national security letters, NSLs, where everything then, every investigation then became in furtherance of terrorism and furtherance of terrorism and a lot more NSLs being issued. With the uh, phone type of debate, we could have a uh, discussion here right now and say, well, what happens if the phone contained information that was uh, related to a nuclear bomb or a radiological device and 10,000, 1 million, 5 million people were going to be at harm of uh, having uh, that bad act befall them or their family members in then is it appropriate for the government to be able to compel a private company to go ahead and circumvent their security because of the exigent circumstances and the grave, grave danger that the public is in? And when you throw different cases at this type of situation that we're in now with unlocking of a device, um, that's where things change. Public perception may change, policy certainly changes, and the security and privacy ramifications certainly change. And that is why we do need the communication and collaboration to be there between the government and the private sector. We do need some clearer set of guidelines by which we will analyze and assess these. And we definitely need some type of policy items to be enacted to try to figure out how we're going to get from the place we are right now to a better place and have some type of recommendations that are made through a collaborative group, uh, one where security is represented, privacy, legal, as well as the aims of law enforcement. Nobody wants a bad act to befall the United States or any other country, and everyone can agree on that. We all want to make sure that our country and our people are, are safe and secure, and it's how do you balance those items that is going to be critical going forward, and what is the rubric by which we examine that? Yeah, and I think it's a really it's a really difficult discussion, and it's one that we probably are going to be having for quite some time, because as you've rightly mentioned, and other practitioners in the industry have mentioned this as well, this is not just a domestic issue. This is something that has global implications. Absolutely, absolutely. So in the United States, there the courts are accessible to other other governments, other countries. Uh, there are ways to domesticate search warrants and subpoenas from other countries. We're actually the United States is working with the United Kingdom right now on just this very issue. Uh, obviously, we have countries that we work with more on this, but such a situation that is being uh, played out right now, if the United States government was able to compel a private company to unlock a device, change a device, change the settings of a device, remove the security features of a device, and this could expand out from a phone to a television to a DVD player to, to just everything, right, to a car, then it will also allow states to get involved in this. It will allow our best five friends to, uh, from other countries to be involved, uh, UK, Canada, uh, Australia, uh, and it will allow other countries to be able to potentially use this process by which they can assert that their uh, citizens, their countries are in grave harm, exigent circumstances exist, terrorism against their countries, uh, etc. So there is a slippery slope to it, and there's a slippery slope to everything. That doesn't mean that we don't figure it out, or we say no emphatically, never, ever, ever will we allow this to happen, but what we do say is, is that we have to think through the policy ramifications, the practical ramifications, security, privacy ramifications as well, but to do so in a collaborative group, to do so transparently, and to invite the discourse, invite the discussion and that's really where we need to be headed. And RSA is one of those great places for some of these things and discussions to happen and a lot of good topics and buzz on, on that here this week. Well, Chris, I'd like to thank you for your time. Not a problem. Thank you, Tracy. Appreciate it. Again, we've just heard from Chris Pearson. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.